At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. This is the Philadelphia CityCast with Ryan Rothstein, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome back, Philadelphia CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. I'm your host, Ryan Rothstein. Another great episode on tap for you here, ladies and gentlemen, at WiseRye on Twitter, where you can find links to all of the platforms the CityCast is available to you, as well as links to each and every individual episode that we put out there. So give me a follow and then follow the Philadelphia CityCast on wherever your preferred platform may be. On this episode, we have not one. But two, excellent insiders slash guests joining us. We're going to start this bad boy off with Bob Nightingale from USA Today. Bob will join us to uh, help us react to Major League Baseball's trade deadline. The Phillies certainly were active. They did not sit on their hands. Noah Syndergaard is a Philadelphia Philly. Brandon Marsh is also a Philadelphia Philly and an old friend back in the bullpen for the Phillies. So we'll get Bob's thoughts on what the Phillies did and did not do. Is it enough to get him into the postseason and secure that third and final NL wildcard spot? We'll also get his thoughts on the Juan Soto news and everything else related to Major League Baseball. Then we're switching gears to the gridiron and talking birds and NFL with Eagles insider John McMullen of Sports Illustrated. Birds 365, uh, phillyvoice.com. John has been at training camp. He is covering the team. He has his finger on the pulse. We'll get all of John's thoughts and opinions on all of the biggest topics, storylines, and we'll also do some rapid fire best bets for the futures market related to both the Eagles 
as well as some player season totals. So a huge episode on tap. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Let's waste uh, no more time. Here's Bob Nightingale from USA Today talking Phillies and what they did at the deadline. Enjoy. All right, so a lot to get to here with Bob. Uh, make sure you give Bob Nightingale a follow, of course, if you are not already, uh, at B Nightingale USA Today Sports, Major League Baseball columnist, also Odyssey MLB Radio Network insider, amongst many other things. So we have a lot to get to, especially with the Phillies and, of course, just winners and losers uh, from the Major League Baseball trade deadline in general, Juan Soto is certainly the leading story, the lead topic, regardless of which team you're following, uh, where you may be, it doesn't matter. So let's bring Bob, Bob into the conversation now. Bob, thank you so much. I'm sure the past couple of days have been a little hectic for you. Yeah, crazy 48 hours. Just uh, nothing much had happened uh, except for the uh, Castillo trade last week. Then everything happened. So yeah, it was a uh, wild time and it's funny, it's like when the, when the uh, trade went down with Soto in the morning, it's almost like you felt the trade deadline was over because that's what anybody cared about. We still had five hours to go. Yeah, let's let's start there. Uh, Juan Soto, obviously, the, the story. Uh, and now the Padres land him. And you look at what the Padres have been able to do here up to the deadline Bob, talk about, I want to ask you winners and losers, but we'll start with the clear, one of the clear winners, your thoughts on the Padres. Yeah, just, it's, you know, it's fun for a team to go for it. You know, it's like, you know, trade prospects for a parade. You know, you want to be, uh, you know, you don't want to be on the cover of Baseball America. You want to be in the, you know, cover of every national magazine as far as uh, holding a World Series trophy. And that's what they did. You know, that probably said, you know what, we'll, we'll go get some more, uh, go get some more prospects and uh, let's go for this thing. You know, the Josh Hader thing got, you know, overlooked, but that was a monster move too. Getting a four-time all-star closer. Um, you know, again, Brandon Drury too. He's got 20 home runs for the Reds. But everything they wanted to do, they, they did. Uh, but no, it was a uh, stunning to see just how aggressive they were. Yeah, it really is. And I'm with you. I, oftentimes the topic comes up, uh, regardless of which show I'm on, whether it's one I'm hosting or whether I'm on as a guest, well, should the Phillies, we'll use them as an example, Bob, should the Phillies trade prospect A or prospect B for proven commodity over here? I mean, my answer is always yes, especially if in your franchise, if your franchise is in win now mode. Uh, so I'm always for going to get the proven commodity rather than clinging on to, you know, a hope. You're essentially gambling. Yeah, you start know about these prospects. I know with when the Reds trades with Minnesota, I was talking to some scouts, and the lowest-rated prospect by Baseball America, you know, the Twin people say, no, that's our best player. So you just never know. I mean, uh, how about last year or, you know, a couple of years ago when they, uh, the Mets and Mariners had that trade, everybody's blasting the Mets for giving up, you know, Jared Kelenek and getting Edwin Diaz, who struggled his first year. Well, you make that deal in a heartbeat now. Uh, it's unbelievable what he's done. Let's let's move on, and I, I do want to ask you about the Padres' chances to make a deep run, but we'll we'll hold off on that question uh, for just another few minutes from now, Bob. But 
Let, let's talk about some of the other winners and losers. Uh, we do have some Philly stuff to get to, but you can tie them in whether you feel like they uh, were winning overall from what they did or did not do and, and any other team that stands out. Yeah, well, in the losers, I would say, topping the list at Baltimore Orioles, they're only two and a half games out of the wild card. I understand where they don't think they're going to, you know, do anything. Uh, you know, they wonder how, how deep they can go in October. Still, I just don't know how you can rip the heart out of those players who uh, overachieved all season. Uh, two and a half games out, you know, that's right there. So, you know, unless you're getting some major prospects, and if they did, that's a tough sell. Uh, you know, more losers, both Chicago teams. I mean, the Cubs are uh, Wilson Contreras and Ian Happer hugging and crying in the dugout a week ago. The fans are giving emotional send-off, and they're back. You know, I mean, Contreras, all they're going to get now is a draft pick. Uh, Happ does have one more year left. So, you know, in the White Sox, you know, just sat back and watched what the Twins did. Uh, you know, the White Sox have underachieved all season, and all they did was get Jake Diekman. Uh So I would put them as a uh, loser as well. You know, more winners, I would say, you know, Dublin, the Yankees did. Getting the, uh, you know, an outfielder, Benettini, the starter, Montas, Trevino, the closer. So they did a lot. And, of course, Seattle, by getting the, you know, the top pitching guy, of course, and Luis Castillo, uh, they're, they're definitely a big winner, too. I want to get your thoughts on what the Phillies did here, Bob. Uh, Noah Syndergaard, big name. Don't think the play right now is is as big as his name. Uh, but still, I, I, I look at it as a small victory for the Phillies. We'll see what Syndergaard's actually uh, able to do. The Phillies also acquire outfielder Brandon Marsh from the Padres and reliever David Robertson in a deal with the Cubs. I, you look at the NL East as a whole, obviously the Mets still clinging on the first, the Braves making some, some, some small moves up until the deadline, and uh, the Phillies staying busy as well. Uh, your thoughts on what the Phillies did uh, before the deadline closed? Yeah, I think they did well. I really liked the Marsh trade. Uh, I don't think a lot of people even knew it was available. Uh, you know, to play center field for them, you know, give them play some defense is great. David Robertson, of course, was with Philadelphia, um, you know, former Yankees, so he's used to that pressure. And Syndergaard's used to pressure, too, as far as playing with the Mets. But I'm with you, Ryan. It's just don't know about Syndergaard. He's not the same guy. Uh, he's learned to pitch. He throws a lot more off-speed stuff now. Doesn't blow away people at fastball. Uh, kind of the journey's out for him. I'm curious to see how he'll do, you know, particularly pitching a small ballpark like Philadelphia. So the Phillies are in the midst of uh, their first playoff appearance, a, a race for their first playoff appearance in over a decade, Bob, right now. Uh, as we like to say, if the playoffs started today, still a, a heck of a lot more baseball games left here. But uh, Phillies are in that third and final wild card spot, a game up uh, over the Cardinals. Do you feel like the Phillies have enough right now? And, and I answer this question, I have, I have no clue. <laughs> you don't have Bryce Harper. You don't know when he's going to come back, and you don't know what version of him will be coming back. Uh, you feel good about Wheeler and Nola at the top of your rotation. Can Nola keep uh, his production going into the month of September where he has struggled in recent years? So still a lot of question marks with this Phillies team, but as we know, they still uh, certainly possess the bats to do it. Can they do it, Bob? Well, they can. Uh, you know, I think they have enough to get a wild card spot. We'll see, though. Uh, you know, Harper will come back. We'll see how he is. 
I mean, he was on fire. A uh, really unfortunate injury. You know, the uh, you know Schwarber has done everything they hoped. Uh, Castellanos is getting better. I mean, he's too good of a hitter to perform like this. He's another example of guys who signed big for agent contracts who struggled that first year. And you're right, when you have the two big boys on top of the rotation, you know, you can scare anybody in a uh, in a short series. You know, you wonder about their depth, you know, going further in the playoffs if they get past the wild card round. But still, it's a uh, exciting team. I think they're on their way. You know, we'll see in the National League. I mean, right now, you know, you got the uh, Dodgers kind of by themselves. Then you got the Mets, Atlanta, uh, like the next tier. And then everybody else is after that. Talking with Bob Nightingale, give him a follow at B Nightingale on Twitter, USA Today Sports, uh, MLB columnist, as well as Odyssey, MLB Radio Network insider. Uh, Bob, who do you like to represent the NL and as well as the AL in the World Series? We started this conversation talking about the Padres uh, at Bet Rivers. They're 11 to 1 to win the World Series. Uh, they're certainly equipped on paper right now, but uh, whether you like them or, or maybe another team, uh, who, who do you think is going to be competing to, to win it all when it's all said and done? You know, this uh, for the first time in my career, I've got a, a little winning streak here. So three straight years, I've had the uh, World Series winner pick right uh, in spring training. And for the first time, I decided, you know what? If anybody can do it back-to-back, I'm going to go with them. So I picked up Land, and I'll still uh, stay with them. Uh, it's a wow. very good team. I like the moves they made at the deadline. I like getting you know, Glaciers as a starter. Uh, Odorizzi should help, you know, back in the rotation. So I'll stick with them. I know they're not favored or anything like that. I liked him an awful lot. And then you go to the American League, you know, I think everybody in the world wants to see a Yankee Astro ALCS. I'll probably go with the Astros. I mean, they played um, Yankees seven times this year, won five games, but the uh, big stat is, you know, never once did the Yankees ever come to bat with a lead. Uh, you know, the only two games I won were, you know, blown saves by the Astros. So the Astros have got their number, and I think they're in the Yankees' heads too. Wow. Uh, Astros and Braves, uh, Bob says, for the World Series. Do you hope – last question here, a bonus question before we let Bob go, and I appreciate your time. Any – are you rooting for – not that I'm rooting for, but for baseball-wise, the – for helping out the the sport of baseball, Bob, uh, would a Subway Series benefit uh, the sport of baseball? You know, they had that in 2000, and the trouble was people people outside New York don't care. Is like, <laughs> you know, just a New York audience. Uh, <laughs> you want you know, Fox Sports televises the uh, World Series. Their dream at the end, people at MLB offices' dream is a Yankee Dodger World Series. We haven't had one since 1981 two marquee franchises. That's the one everybody wants to see just with those, uh, you know, two juggernauts and bringing back memories of Reggie and everything else. So that would be a fun one. And, you know, I really would like to see a uh, an ALCS with, you know, with the uh, Yankees and uh, Astros just because of the history between the two, the hatred between the two. That would be a fun drama. You know, we'll see about the National League. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, – a Dodger Padre uh, ALCS um, NLCS would be a blast, but you know having the Mets in there, Atlanta too, would be fun. Bob Nightingale, ladies and gentlemen, at B Nightingale on Twitter. If you don't know already, USA Today Sports Major League Baseball columnist, and you can hear him uh, on MLB Radio Network. 
for Odyssey as a baseball insider. Bob, thank you so much. Go get some rest. All right. My pleasure. Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> uh, great stuff there from Bob. I appreciate his time. Uh, excellent insights. Uh, and now we're going to switch gears. My friend, John McMullen, is about to join us on stage here. Uh, it's, it's not a stage. To talk Eagles and NFL, and we'll take a look at some of the most popular options at Bet Rivers Sportsbook Wagering Menu uh, and get John's thoughts on those items if he thinks it's a good bet, a bad bet, uh, and we'll tie it all in to the Eagles season outlook. So let's bring John into the conversation now as we switch gears to the NFL. Enjoy. All right, so let's get into it now with my. I was going to say my old friend, but that doesn't mean age-wise, and that doesn't mean he's no longer my friend. So my current friend, my new young friend, John McMullen at JF <laughs> I, McMullen. I think it's comfortable to say I'm old. I, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, it's I'm fine. closer to old than young, so that's fine. All right, you know what? We'll edit that out. My very old friend, John, John McMullen. At JF McMullen on Twitter. Uh, I'm excited to talk to Johnny Mack. We have a lot to get to. Obviously, he's been at training camp. Uh, he's got all the inside info for us. I heard he's going to drop some inside scoops here. No, but uh, we'll talk Jalen Hurts. We'll talk Nick Sirianni, Jonathan Gannon, the new rookies, the new acquisitions, and everything in between. Johnny Mack, how are we doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Good to talk with you. It always is. I always enjoy our conversations, John. Um where shall we begin? Uh, I mean, do I dare start with the quarterback? You know what? Let's start with the coaches. Uh, and here's my two cents, and, and you can sort of just react to what I ramble on about. But all of the focus, of course, is on the quarterback, and you know, right, rightfully so. Here in Philadelphia, that's how it always is. Any NFL team, that's how it always is. And especially given this current situation, I guess you can call it, with the Philadelphia Eagles. But I look at Nick Sirianni. I look at Jonathan Gannon. I look at Sirianni giving the play calling over to Shane Steichen. I mean, all these guys are entering year two. And let's be honest, we don't really know what they are yet as coaches. We don't know what Nick Sirianni is yet as a head coach. What is Jonathan Gannon, especially now that he has some, uh, you know, sharpened tools, more tools available to him in his defensive toolbox, if you will. So, uh, just react to that and your thoughts on all those key coaches entering year two. Uh, I do think it's it's a bigger story than people realize for some of those reasons you mentioned. Obviously, um, Shane Steichen took over the play calling last season. It's really the Chargers game uh, when he took it over. So it was about halfway through the season. Um and, and, and Nick kind of let us in on that, but it was more uh, of the collaborative type process. And, and now it's it's more clearly defined. He's willing to say, look, this is the guy who's going to call the plays. But he always makes it very, very clear that, um, you know, that's what Monday through Saturday is for, so to speak, and that we're putting the game plan together. Everything is on the call sheet. So you're basically... Um, have everything laid out in front of you. Um, but there is a feel to calling plays, and there is something to it. I, but I, I, for me, the bigger issue is, or and not even an issue, but we'll have to see, is 
how this young coaching staff um, handles, um, as you mentioned, uh, uh, an offense that has more playmakers. So one of the things I've noticed early in training camp is that Devontae Smith doesn't get the football. You know, he doesn't get traffic. And it's not Devontae Smith's fault because the Eagles are a lot like most teams in this league now uh, that has shifted from a processing standpoint for quarterbacks. So if you think about the old Peyton Manning, Joe Montana, Tom Brady, obviously still playing, guys who can go from, you know, receiver one to two, three, four, and all the progressions. You don't see that much in the modern NFL. They teach concepts instead of plays, is how I was told by uh, one uh, scouting executive. And that's what the Eagles do with, with Jalen Hurts. So early in training camp, A.J. Brown, ton of traffic. Uh, Dallas Goddard, ton of traffic. And again, you know, everybody else gets the scraps from there. And I don't really care about that when it comes to the Quez Watkins of the world and, and the Jalen Ragers of the world. But you got you got to get Devontae the ball because he's a good player. So I want to see if this coaching staff understands they have to be very disciplined. You want to get the ball to A.J. Brown, certainly. You want to get the ball to Dallas Goddard. Those are your two top options. But you also have to make sure that you're getting Devontae Smith involved and to a lesser degree some of those other players so that you don't become too predictable um, to the opposing defense. And the second part to that, Ryan, is this team was dead last, 32 of 32, when it came to using pre-snap motion. So I use that as an example of we already have some sort of uh, um, – evidence that this isn't the most inventive group in the world. Let's put it that way. Interesting. And I guess you can answer this question in a second, but I guess that you would believe, you believe, John, um, that that's going to carry into this season because what I also want to get get to you, get with you here uh, is the offensive identity. And, you know, I, I believe and would assume that they are going to try and become more of a passing team. They're not going to completely abandon the run. I mean, that would be borderline idiotic because they have the tools and they found, uh, you know, a high level of success doing that last season. So that should certainly still be incorporated and involved in their game plan and identity. But you bring in A.J. Brown, there's still question marks surrounding your quarterback in Jalen Hurts. Uh, so you want to become more of a passing team. But what what is that going to look like? Because there's obviously a variety of options that they can sort of choose from, so to speak. Are they going to be still fundamentally a running team with more play action? Are they going to be, you know, more quick passes, West Coast traditional style slants to A.J. Brown, get the ball out of Jalen's hands quickly? Uh, how more dynamic or different is this offense really going to look in your opinion? Well, that, I, I think it turns to the quarterback. I, I do think in, you know, I call this time of year sort of laboratory time. This is this is what we want to do. Um, and, and and obviously they want to throw the football more. They want to be more explosive. They want to get the football to all these playmakers. 
Uh, and then you get to the regular season and the old Mike Tyson quote, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. And, and I, I gave Nick Sirianni, that's where I give Nick Sirianni the most credit is last year. He said, all right, we wanted to play this way. It's not working. Uh, we put too much on the quarterback's plate. Let's scale it back. Let's take advantage of our offensive line. Um, and he, and he shifted the offense to to try to win games, and he was successful, and they made the playoffs after that 2-5 and five start. I think the same thing's going to happen this year as last year. They're going to start in 11 personnel a lot. They want to throw the football, and if they can't, they're going to go back to what they were last season, um, except I think it'll be quicker this year. In other words, you know, they started 2-5, and five, Really, it was that Las Vegas game, and, and Miles Sanders got hurt. They had shifted in that game. That was the shift. That was the pivot point. And it was working early. People forget they got blown out in that game. But it was working early, and then Miles got hurt. Um, I, I think it's going to be the exact same theme. Early, they're going to show up in Detroit on September 11th, and they want to throw the football. And maybe it even works. You remember week one in Atlanta last year. They they look great, and then it, it it came back down to earth. So it's going to be about more than one week. But if they can't throw the football early, say say the first four or five games, Nick Sirianni is going to try to win games, and he knows he has maybe the best offensive line in football. So take advantage of them. I want to bring up Miles Sanders before we get your thoughts with a couple of questions on on Jalen Hurts, of course. But this guy, Miles Sanders, John, and, and you and I, I remember a lot of our conversations over the years and in the past, and uh, we've had plenty of discussions about Miles Sanders, and he's he's annoying the hell out of me lately. <laughs> All right. I mean, bitching and moaning about being written about being on the second team. All right. Like, like first team players don't don't do that, that kind of stuff. And, and I also hated his all-star team comments. It just has such a vibe of Vince Young dream team comments. Uh, is this Miles Sanders last season with the Eagles? And what are your expectations and thoughts on everything that's already occurred with him? You know, I, I, a, a lot of things there. I think probably more likely than not, it, it will be his last season with the Eagles um, because – you know, look, he's either going to overachieve and the Eagles aren't going to want to pay him uh, or he's going to underachieve and the Eagles are just going to go in a different direction. So I think there's a very small line to where you could see him getting a second contract to the Eagles. And to tell you the truth, the most likely part of that would be him getting injured and the Eagles bringing him back on a cost-effective deal because he was injured. So I'm sure nobody wants that. Um as far as the all-star team talk, I, I that didn't bother me. I, I, you know, Miles isn't an all-star. He probably should have, you know, phrased it in a different way. But I, I wasn't too concerned about that. With the second team rep stuff, he was on the second team. I mean, it, it, it the Eagles are rotating their running backs. There's no question. And I've gone, you know, you've talked to me a lot, Ryan. I used to get killed after Miles' rookie season when I, I, I thought people were nuts. And I remember I said, I think it was Dalvin. It was either Dalvin Cook or Christian McCaffrey. Um, and I was like, come on, Eagles fans. He's not close to those players. And I just got killed for it. 
And interestingly, I get no apologies, Ryan, but nonetheless, <laughs> nonetheless, um, now I've shifted. Now, I, I think Eagles fans were way overhyped on Miles Sanders after his rookie season. And now they're underrating him because he is a good player. He's a good player. He's not a great player. And now it's shifted to the point where they think Kenny Gainwell is better than Miles Sanders. No way. Not even close. Not even close. Um, and it's the same thing they're doing with Kenny Gainwell that they did with Miles Sanders and, and, and didn't learn from it. Now, the Eagles are, are – Miles is their lead back. He's going to be the, he's by far the best runner. But Kenny is a good receiver, and he's a better receiver, and he'll get um, the third down work, and he'll get the hurry-up work, um, and, and they'll have that committee. And that's how they started last year, by the way. Um, it was Miles and Kenny, and that's it. And, and then Miles got hurt in Las Vegas, and they went to Kenny, and he fumbled, if you remember, at the end of the first half in that game, and they benched him. And that's when Boston Scott and Jordan Howard got involved. So it, it's just like we talked about with the pass offense. They're going to start 2022 the same way they started 2021. And that's Miles as the lead back. And Kenny Gainwell is the third down and the hurry up back. Talking with John McMullen, give him a follow at JFMcMullenSI.com. Uh, you can hear him daily with Jody Mack of WIP on Birds 365. Uh, and he'll also promote everything else he has going on a little bit later in the conversation. Let's get to the quarterback, John. Uh, Jalen Hurts, we've had plenty of discussions surrounding him as well in our past, John, in recent years. But uh, let's start with what you've seen from him very early up to this point in training camp. And it's not even just his mechanics. We, of course, want to hear that, but just his overall presence, how he's carrying himself, uh, anything that has stood out to you, good, better, or indifferent so far at camp? Well, his presence is always great, the way he carries himself. That's the intangible stuff that uh, you don't worry about with, with Jalen Hurts. Um you know, you talked about Miles Sanders. Jalen Rager also got into a bit of a social media kerfuffle. Uh, Jalen's very good about avoiding stuff like that, very mature. Um, in a lot of ways, he's the exact opposite of typical young quarterbacks. When we talk, you know, Trevor Lawrence would be a perfect example. Like, everybody knows um, he's got top tier, I mean, top tier physical skill. Um, and they're wondering if he has the intangibles to be a great NFL quarterback. And we'll see if Doug Peterson can bring that out of him in Jacksonville. Which Allen's kind of the exact opposite. You know, he has all the intangibles. Uh, does he have the physical skill to, to throw the football from the pocket on third and seven consistently? That's what the Eagles want. That's what the Eagles are looking for. And nobody knows. The Eagles don't know. Um, the league doesn't know. I don't know if Jalen knows. He certainly has confidence in himself, but we have to see it. Uh, hasn't been great early. I, we're taping this after five open practices. So, you know, I thought he was good in, in day one. I thought he was very bad, very bad on day two. Um, bad on day three, nondescript on day four. I described him, and 
very good on day five. So it's been like an EKG and what you want from great quarterbacks and what defines great quarterbacks is consistency. And he doesn't have consistency from day to day and practice to practice. Um, and that's a concern. It, you know, it, this is about, to me, this is about finding the answer at the quarterback position, not getting incrementally better. Will he get better? Yeah. He works hard. He'll get better. Um, but you need to find that consistency. And Jalen himself said that consistency, consistency. And right now it's not there. How much better do you believe Jalen can really get, John? And, and I'm asking that because I I don't believe he can get that much better. And that may sound stupid. I, I know he can get better. I'm just talking about as a passer, right? Like you, you, you bring up Trevor Lawrence and, you know, typically even with young players, they can develop and mature and get more comfortable in the league and at their position. You know, but Jalen has had a certain style of play to him his whole life. Like, look at the offenses that he ran in college, even go back to high school. I mean, this is a guy that has had success a certain way. Uh, people talk about, well, you know, all, all summer leading up to camp, he was out working on his mechanics with you know, the right people and uh, training camp is the time for him to grow and make mistakes and learn. And I, I believe all of that. I just believe all of it to a certain degree. And the rest of me just feels like he sort of will be who he's most comfortable being. Uh, your thoughts? Um, yeah, I, I he's never going to be a high volume thrower, as I like to call them. So if you're talking about guys who throw for four 4,000 yards consistently, He's not that guy. It's not happening. It's never going to happen. Um, in a lot of ways, I think this is a, a fundamental question for the Eagles uh, front office. Um, do they want to build around this style of quarterback? Um, and I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if they know the answer. Well, I do know their preference would be Justin Herbert, you know, that type of quarterback. If we're talking about young quarterbacks, Joe Burrow, uh, somebody who can just sling it from the pocket. And Jeffrey Lurie's talked about it for years. That's the easiest way to win consistently, to have a high-octane passing game. Um, that's the easiest way to win. Doesn't mean you can't win other ways. And to me... Like, Justin Herbert is special as, as a thrower. He's got special arm talent. Jalen Hurts is special. He's just special in a different way. And his special is about his legs and extending plays and off-schedule offense. So they have to build around that. Are they willing to build around that? I have, no, I have, I have seen no evidence of that from a big-picture standpoint. In season, I saw it, you know, in front of my eyes. You know, Nick Sirianni gets in season, and again, I give him credit for this, and he does whatever he has to do to win that football game on that particular game day. But from a thematic standpoint, from that laboratory standpoint, what do the Eagles do in the offseason? 
well, they want to go back and they want to build to what they want to be with that high-octane passing offense. And they bring in A.J. Brown and they're talking about playing more 11 personnel and they're talking about getting Jalen Hurts up to speed as a passer. I'm not sure if that's going to work. In fact, I'm, 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 you know, I'm pretty sure it's not going to work. So they have to do what Baltimore does with Lamar Jackson. They have to build around the quarterback, not not make the quarterback fit into this, okay, I want him to be Justin Herbert. He can't be Justin Herbert. But Justin Herbert can't be him. So the Chargers have to play a certain way, and the Eagles have to play a certain way. Now, the issue becomes, and this is what I say about all great quarterbacks, and Aaron Rodgers is, is probably you know the best example. And I hate when people say he's only got one. He's only got one. Uh, a quarterback, a great quarterback, doesn't guarantee you anything. Except it increases the margin of error. In other words, you can make a lot more mistakes in a game when you're building your roster in a hundred different ways when you have a great quarterback. When you have a guy who's a game manager or a guy who's got to win in a specific way, that margin of error decreases. So you got to have a great defense. You got to have a great offensive line. And we saw it with, we see it with Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco. They made a Super Bowl. They almost won a Super Bowl. They should have went back to the Super Bowl last year with Jimmy Stinkin' Garoppolo, who stinks. <laughs> That's why he's Nick. Nick his middle name is Stinkin' because he stinks. <laughs> and they made it to the Super Bowl, and they almost got back again. You can win, but your margin – you saw the margin of error. You know, they beat Green Bay with special teams. They had that, you know, crazy game. They win it at the end. You know, if, if New Eagle, uh, Jaquaski Tart makes the interception that was right in his hands, they're going to the Super Bowl again. But Kyle Shanahan, that entire time, knows I, I need a better quarterback. He's going to the stinking Super Bowl, and he's almost there. And he's like, I need a better quarterback. And and they're going to go to Trey Lance this year because it's too difficult. And and the Eagles are sort of in this give and take of what they want to do. You look at. Jalen Hurts, and I'll get to his numbers and uh, season betting totals uh, in a second. But fans love to have the conversation slash debate of, well, if the Eagles win the division and a playoff game, that's enough for Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman to say yes on Jalen as far as the franchise guy of the future, uh, right? Like everyone always tries to put a a, a line in the sand and if Jalen and the Eagles are able to cross that line then he passed the test if they don't then he's failed the test is there a line like what can he do to win or lose this job this season if at all not, yeah 70 is not passing uh yeah I mean yeah there's no test uh yeah. no grade point average um look the Eagles are in in a bit of a uh quarterback purgatory and the fact that Jalen's, and I wrote about this on Philly Voice this week, and, and Jalen's pretty good. 
He's a good football player, but he's probably not good enough. And Mm. that's the worst in a lot of ways because, you know, the Eagles have been kicking the can down the road on this decision because, you know, partially because him being on his rookie deal gives them the opportunity to, to rebuild the rest of the roster, which they did a very good job with. But now they have that staring them. After the season, he's eligible for an extension. Um, you see the exploding quarterback prices. Um, if you look at what Jalen Hurts did last season when he made the playoffs, took this team to the playoffs, uh, was a Pro Bowl alternate, put together some decent numbers, that's worth at least $30 million in this league, and I'm probably being kind, probably closer yeah. to 35 and the Eagles want to give that money out. They're fine paying two million for that. Do they want to pay thirty-five million for that? My answer to that right now would be probably not. And if he plays even better, that number is only going up. Forty, forty-five million. Who knows? Um, do the Eagles want to pay that money? Probably not. But how do you get a quarterback? You know. They're going to be too good, probably, even though they have the two first-round picks. They might not start in a position to where they could get up and get a Bryce Young or a C.J. Stroud. Now, there are some other quarterbacks, and maybe they have big college seasons, and maybe it's a far deeper, and maybe they fall in love with one of them. But it's a really, really difficult decision. Um and the Eagles have already hinted this. I mean, people. the Eagles have done a very good job, Ryan, of making people forget that they wanted Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watt. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, and look, I don't blame them. Um, they, they've, you know, said, and, and by the way, in some ways it's a compliment to, to Jalen Hurts because they said, all right, if we can hit a home run, we can get a future Hall of Famer like Deshaun, uh, like uh, Russell Wilson, or we can get a top-tier skill set like Deshaun Watson. We'll entertain that, but we don't want the Jimmy Garoppolo's. I just we don't want the Baker Mayfields, who might be a slight upgrade, but not you. So that's kind of if you want to look at the glass of half full. They like Jalen Hurts. But I do think they also see a ceiling with Jalen Hurts, and they would prefer a higher ceiling. John, I'm not trying to keep you all day here, but I want to react to that quickly uh, before we ask you a couple questions on the defense before I let you go. I I agree with everything that you just said there. Like You you bring up the word purgatory, and and I've brought that up myself uh, in recent weeks. And I I look at the Kyler Murray contract, right? And to me... That one scared me. I got that exactly. And John, I look at that and I say, that's a prime example of a front office and a franchise as a whole, giving the quarterback a boatload of money because of some of the reasons that you just listed. Well, what else is out there? And he's pretty good. And hopefully he can become better. And we don't want to take a step back. Right, like, yeah, but purgatory is the worst place to be, right? You shouldn't settle just based off of the 
reasoning being, yeah, but what else is out there? I don't care what else is out there. If you have to become a really bad team for a couple of years because you did not want to settle for a guy that you didn't love and you didn't feel like could be elite after his rookie contract, then that's what you have to do. That That's my biggest fear is this team wins 9-10 games this year. Jalen is a little bit better than last year, but pretty much overall the same guy, which is good, great leader, intangibles, yada, yada. Uh, but that's sort of his ceiling his whole career. I, I, I do not want that to be the case. Yeah, and, and it, you, I, I know you're an NBA guy and I'm an NBA guy, and that's sort of more of the NBA mentality because I think you have to do it in the NBA. Not have to do it, but it's really, really difficult to build other ways. In the NFL, and I just talked about with the 49ers, you, you can do it. I mean, there is no reason you can't make a Super Bowl run with a quarterback that has the season Jalen Hurts had last season, if you have everything else. Yeah. And the Eagles have, have you know, Howie Roseman has had a great offseason. He, he really has. Um, you know, offensively, they still have that offensive line. You had A.J. Brown, so now everything falls into place from a, a receiving standpoint. The running backs are probably the weakness, but they're good enough. Um and then all the additions on defense, Jordan Davis, Hassan Reddick, um, N'Kobe Dean, it's probably going to take him a while to get on the field. But uh, James Bradbury's been phenomenal uh, early in camp. Uh, they've added a ton of talent on the defense. So who's to say they can't be San Francisco this year with making a Super Bowl run with Jimmy Garoppolo? And, but this, it's, it's Jalen Hurts. You can do that in the NFL. And that's why people hold on. But the Kyler Murray part of it, look, Kyler's better than that. Kyler's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Kyler's got tremendous talent. Now, obviously, you know, that clause in his contract that created such a couple, you know, obviously he doesn't work like Jalen Hurts. But Jalen Hurts does not have his physical gifts. And that's what we're talking about the physical gifts of those top tier guys of those number one overall picks of those, no doubt about it. This guy is, is, is talented. He's not that. And you're going to have to, that margin of error I talked about is smaller, but in, in, in the difference between the NFL and the NBA is you can do it in the NFL. And that's why organizations you know, they want a good player. If they can't get a great player, they want a good player quarterback. And they're not just going to tank to get at the top of the draft. John, let's get to the defense here for just a couple of uh, quick questions to add to this conversation. Great stuff already. But, um, man, let's start with all of the new faces. And I'm not going to even list them all, whether it's rookie, free agent, trade, etc. Which Which new player, which new face... Uh, do you believe will have the biggest impact? And, you know, who are you most excited for? Um, I, yeah, I, I talked about this a lot. I think from a practical standpoint, it's Jordan Davis. Um, I think from a fan standpoint, it's going to be Hassan Reddick. Um, because uh, Jordan Davis, to me, is, is the crux to it all. Uh, because he allows the Eagles to do so many different things that they wanted to do last season, but they didn't have the ability to do. Uh, they're going to play a lot of 5-2 overhang front, so they're going to run Vic Fangio's defense, essentially. 
as everybody seemingly in the NFL is trying to do. Uh, and they needed that big uh, nose tackle in the middle to be able to to do some of the things they want to do on defense. But, you know, at the end of the day, nose tackles, same as in Georgia, you know, N'Kobe Dean's making all the plays. But if you look at N'Kobe Dean highlights, you know, go on YouTube, you'll see that big guy right in front of him taking up two or three blockers. That allows him to get to the football and make the splash plays. So that's why I say Davis is going to be the most important. The hope is that he is uh, taking up multiple blockers, which will make things easier for the linebackers and the edge rushers. Uh, because if you need uh, to block a guy like that inside, that's going to give Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat and Brandon Graham more opportunities to get to the quarterback. And you know Eagles fans, Ryan. All they care about is sacks, sacks, sacks. That's right. And Hassan Reddick is going to be double-digit sacks uh, if he's healthy. And that will be the first edge rusher who gets double-digit sacks in Philadelphia since Connor Barwin. Yeah, so it's been a while. Defensive Rookie of the Year odds at Bet Rivers Sportsbook, John. Uh, Nicobe Dean, nine to one. <laughs> Jordan Davis, fourteen to one. If I gave you a hundred dollars and I forced you to pick one between the two, which one are you going with? Uh if I'm forced, uh, yes, I, I, I'm, I'm taking Davis. Um, it, it, but either way, you're flushing it down the toilet because. To win Rookie of the Year, you need stats, and Jordan's not going to have stats. Now, Nicobe's not going to play. Nicobe's behind. T.J. Edwards is having a, a great camp. Uh, Kaiser White has been really good. Davion Taylor has had a great camp. He's the fifth linebacker. Even Sean Bradley has been ahead of him taking reps. So he's not going to play early in the season. Now, I guess there's an opportunity by the second half of the season, if he continues to get better, he can get on the field. But I got to tell you, unless T.J. Edwards is the most underrated player on this team, period. Um, he's so much better uh, than Nicobe Dean right now. He's not getting benched. So he's going to have to get on the field for Kaiser White. Is that possible? Yeah, I guess it's possible. But it's going to take a while. So... I, I would look for other avenues if you want to win some actual money outside of Philadelphia. All right, let's do it. Let's do a rapid fire then based off of that, John, uh, before we let you go. It's been excellent. Thank you, as always. Eagles win total, nine and a half, the over at minus 134, the under plus 110. Are the Eagles getting to double-digit wins this season? Oh, yeah, I would go. It, it would be a huge disappointment with their schedule in that division not to get to 10 wins. Uh, I think that's a pretty easy. And I, I've been surprised when I've seen those over-unders, uh, how, how low they are for the Eagles. I've seen eight and a half somewhere. Just way yeah. All right, division odds. The Cowboys are still the slight betting favorite right now at Bet Rivers, plus 125. Eagles. Plus 165, I'll give the update for the full division, although uh, we probably don't have to do that. Washington plus 550, the Giants 8-1. to one. Do you like the Eagles at plus 165 to win the East? I, I think, like what they said, it's going to be very close. I don't. I still give the Cowboys a slight advantage for this reason. 
Uh, the home and home series, the second game is probably going to be the decision maker as far as who wins the division. It is December 24th, Christmas Eve in Texas, in Arlington. Um, and it's the third of three consecutive road games for the Eagles. Just a really, really bad spot. And if it comes down to that game, like I think it's going to come down to that game, I think that is going to be a really tough game for the Eagles to win. All right, Johnny Mack providing the insight, the conversation. Excellent, as always. Give him the follow at JF McMullen uh, for more of this daily. John, uh, what else do you have going on before we let you go, man? Uh, Birds 365, Monday through Friday. You can uh, see it live on, on YouTube at jacobsports.com. You can read me at uh, jacobsports.com. Also, uh, si.com, Sports Illustrated, backslash NFL, backslash Eagles. Um, and every Monday, uh, my column in the Philly Boys Um so way too many places and, and with Ryan Rothstein. So thank you. That's right. John, I, I always truly enjoy our conversations. I kept you a little bit longer, but uh, for us, it was, I think, still on the short end. So thank you, my friend. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it. Great stuff from John. Great stuff from Bob. Uh, thank you to both of those fellows, those gentlemen, for making some time in their busy schedules to hop on the Philadelphia City cast to have some fun with us here. I appreciate all of you, the listeners, most importantly. Uh, and to show your support, please subscribe and follow to the Philadelphia City Guest. We're going to be uh, continuing the great conversations and guest lineup over the next couple of weeks as training camp continues as we get closer to preseason action and, of course, regular season action in week one in the NFL, starting with Eagles-Lions. And then, of course, the Phillies now post-trade deadline in Major League Baseball as they make their push to get into the postseason for the first time in a decade. Thank you, everyone, as always, for tuning in to another edition of the Philadelphia CityCast. And before we go, here's a word about Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook is serving up big wins with our new weekly profit boost on all tennis wagers. Simply visit betrivers.com or download the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app every Wednesday to receive a 20% profit boost on any tennis wager. That's right. Log in every Wednesday and automatically receive a 20% profit boost. And now you can live stream your favorite tennis players right from the Bet Rivers app. Heat up your summer with the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app. It's a whole new game. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.